And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This headline podcast is presented by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Breaking news from The Athletic. This is Ian Mendes with you alongside our Seattle Kraken beat reporter Ryan S. Clark uh, joining uh, me here late on this Wednesday night. Late for me, late for you as well on the West Coast. Ryan S. Clark, at the end of a very busy day, I can't thank you enough for joining me and giving our listeners a little bit of insight onto, uh, into a historic day for you in Seattle. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Thank you for having me. And just as a programming note, if you hear any weird noises in the background, like a turn signal or me going over a bridge, it's because, well, I'm currently driving home at the moment. So I apologize for that. Well, that's quite all right. Uh, listen, we can uh, we can appreciate the fact this has been a busy, busy stretch for you. So the fact that you can even squeeze us in is great. So, hey, listen, this is what I'm really curious about, Ryan, because we were all expecting 5 Pacific time, 8 Eastern time on Wednesday. We would tune in and these picks would be unveiled one by one and we'd be shocked. We'd be surprised. There'd be some drama, some intrigue. And instead... By the time we got to the early afternoon, the entire list had been leaked out. And so I'm wondering, what was the feel in Seattle and and the, the feeling from league officials maybe that a lot of the hype and a lot of the drama and intrigue evaporated over the course of the afternoon? You know, it all depends upon the source because, you know, there are fans who said that they saw it. And once they start seeing it take off, they decided I'm getting off social. I'm going to wait and just watch it that way. There are people who understand that this is the age we live in, where it's sort of this social contract everybody signs without really knowing they sign it. And it's no different than if you watch a television show or a movie. Like, you want to go see a movie or a TV show or decide to watch a TV show, but you know you run the risk of it being spoiled on social. So it's like, how do you navigate that? While there are others who say, hey, look, I I couldn't get enough. It was good to see what the team was going to look like. So that way I could have some time to kind of figure it out. But look, if you're the NHL and you're the Kraken, you understand that like there's a possibility that these things can happen. So I think a lot of people were looking at this, uh, uh, Ryan, on on Wednesday and thinking, okay, Ron Francis and the Kraken, uh, they're going to make a whole bunch of side deals. And maybe it's not going to be kind of the extortionist price we saw with Vegas, but there's going to be a handful of deals. Um, And yet it feels like we didn't really see anything. So walk us through what happened there and why didn't we see any uh, side deals where, uh, you know, Seattle maybe uh, was able to to, to pluck another asset or two from, from a different team? Ron Francis made when he spoke with reporters was this, that yes, general managers had learned from the last few, well, the last expansion draft, excuse me, about just kind of the way this whole thing works and how you don't necessarily want to give away a player. For many of them, it was sort of take who you need and we'll call it a day. And for others, there just may have been some prices that they felt were too high to pay and said, you know what, if this is how it has to be, then we can live with that decision. And so the the reality of it is this, like, yes, you have a team that for now hasn't made any trades. Of course, 
those could be announced much later. And from it, we could see all sorts of things happen within the landscape of this team. Because right now, when you look at the roster, there are some questions people do have, namely in the top six, with where's the scoring going to come from beyond who's already there? Are there things you do maybe in your middle six? Defense, are they set? And goaltending, it looks like they are. But when you look at the amount of cap space that they have, look, it's the buzzword or phrase, rather, that everybody keeps hearing right now, which is this is a team that is going to weaponize their cap space. And when you think about it in that context, in that construct, what does weaponize look like? And one of the reasons, or one of the examples you could use, rather, is it's, it's patience. They can afford to be patient. And for them, it's probably about using that patience to see what happens and what materializes over time. So Ryan, not willing to pay the price, I guess, pun intended, will take us right into the conversation around Carey Price, because I think there's a lot of people that once Carey Price's name came on the available list a few days ago, we thought, my goodness, Seattle can get off the ground running here, and very much like how Vegas did with Marc-Andre Fleury, you've got Carey Price. Can you give us a sense of how seriously the Kraken considered taking Carey Price, or was this like a, nah, forget it, this guy's got five years left and 50 million, thanks, but no thanks. Talk about how they did their due diligence with medical in the sense of looking at certain players, what their their medical history was. They looked at all these things like price, salary cap, and they just felt like for for all the things that they wanted to look at, that they wanted to keep the economics in mind. And again, when you go back to how he operated in Carolina, that was the number one thing he had to do. Now, granted, the circumstances with the hurricane was there was an ownership group where they had to be judicious with how they spent. The Kraken's ownership group has said, hey, we give you the green light to spend. Um, and it's not that Ron Francis isn't going to do that, but it's just he's only going to do that in a situation where he feels like it, there's few questions. And with someone like Carey Price, there were questions, and it's been talked about a lot this week. Like, for all the things Carey Price does, there are only two goaltenders in the NHL who are 30 and older this season who started more than 20 games in a 56-game season. One was Pecorina, who went 10-2-1. The other one was Mike Smith, who was a 21-game winner. And when you have a gulf that large, is that really enough evidence for you to look at and say, which one could carry Price be? Because he's 33 going on 34, and by the time that contract ends, he'd be 38 going on 39. And as we've seen in the flat cap era, there are teams that are hamstrung by large contracts. You know, we talk about the players who make over $10 million each, but it, it even doesn't have to be that. Like, we look at other deals around the league with these figures of $8, 9000000 million annually, and it can be difficult to make things work. And if you're the Kraken, it was all about how do you keep that financial flexibility so that way when you do invest your cap dollars, you know, okay, we, we feel comfortable with the value and knowing that it's going to be sustainable for as long as the contract exists. So I would say when you look at the goaltending position, obviously they, they they punt on Carey Price, but but Ryan, they also punted on some other pretty good goalies that have backstopped their team to the Stanley Cup. Uh, ben Bishop, Jonathan Quick, Tuka Rask, but all of them have, you know, probably some some health issues, some age issues, some some cap issues. 
what what's your feeling on the trio of goalies they selected on Wednesday night? So Chris Drieger uh, from from Florida comes in. He's essentially going to be the number one guy. You know, Vanisek was really good for for Washington. Thrust into a situation where um, he wasn't supposed to be the the starter, but 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 took some big minutes uh, this season. And then they get Joey Decord from from Ottawa. They're, yeah, they're not spending five, six, seven million dollars on goaltending, but do you feel like that trifecta will give them? enough decent goaltending or is there something else they might do here uh, between the pipes? Well, the thing is this, at minimum, you have a tandem because with Drieger, one of the things you saw this year in Florida was when he was playing, that team was not only getting wins, but they were getting wins at time when, let's say, if Bobrovsky was in the net and there was a little bit of a difficult outing defensively, Drieger provided that consistency. And not only that, but you get him at a term like 3.5, over three years, which that's a manageable term. You look at Vanacek, and for some people, there was a lot to like about what he did as someone who, again, you think about the way this season could have went. If Henrik Lundqvist is healthy, what does his season look like? Whereas if now you're talking about someone who, again, working in tandem, had some strong performances, and with Joey Decor is someone that you can look at and you say, okay, you can bring him up in the event that you need a third goaltender. And it's something that you've seen a lot of teams do. But again, to go back to the finances of it all, you talked about Jonathan Quick. I believe Jonathan Quick's cap hit is what? Like five, I want to say, around five, or maybe a little bit more than five. Again, sitting on I-5, so I don't have the numbers in front of me. But when you look at what those three goaltenders cost, those three goaltenders cost around $5 million combined and so when you think about it from that standpoint like yes you're going to get savings and it's the kind of savings that you can put elsewhere that allow you to do things for example like being able to take on Jamie Alexiak and offer him a deal that made him say I'd rather go here than go into the market or someone like a Mark Giordano where with his cap hit over six that's a that's a contract that you can take on and not just take on but you can take on comfortably while still knowing you can go do other things. And, and Ryan, we don't expect you to have cap friendly up on your dashboard while you're driving uh, back home in Seattle. <laughs> but Jonathan Quick does have two more years left at a cap hit of five point eight million. That's the cap hit. The the, the actual dollars paid out. It's uh, it's a little bit less, I think, uh, in terms of the base salary, but uh, at least in the last year. But uh, essentially, you're looking at a five point eight million dollar cap hit, and you're one hundred percent right. You could have brought in Jonathan Quick at five point eight, or you could have three guys at under that. Uh, price and I think you're exactly right. I think that's exactly what uh, what they opted to do. You brought up a really interesting name in Mark Giordano, and here's a guy that was arguably the face of the franchise, at least one of the stabilizing pol- um, uh, figures in the back end in Calgary. Um, I would imagine probably some mixed emotions for Mark Giordano in in leaving a place like Calgary. Does he become? Is he your best bet right now? If you were laying odds um, that he's the captain of the Seattle Kraken in year one. You know, he was asked about that, and he said, you know, you don't necessarily need a letter to, to be a leader, but he wanted to do whatever he could, whatever the organization would ask of him, and that role. Now, as for him leaving Calgary, he did talk about that, and he said, look, the possibility of it, you know, becoming real was something that, you know, it, it did hit him. And he's like, look, I understand the situation Bradtree Living was in. And the way he talked about Tree Living, he was just like, you know, here's the reality of what he had to deal with. He's like, it does not change my relationship with Brad Trey Living. I still have so much respect for Brad Trey Living. And as far as the city of Calgary and those fans, 
I can't thank them enough. It's where I grew up. And like, that's just kind of the interesting thing about all this is like, when you look at the composite of this team, you know, these are players that some of them are at a certain age where like, maybe they're at that age where having a new opportunity is a chance for them to jumpstart some things for players that are a little bit further along in their career. It's a little bit of a new opportunity after being in a place for a while. But for someone like Giordano, like it's the reality of like, you are not only a captain, but you're a Norris Trophy winner. You're the face of a franchise. But now, like, you're going to a city and you're going to an organization that is completely new. But at the same time, you're going to be a foundational piece in the sense of how that operates. And so it's going to be interesting to see, like, how that sort of works. But to hear him speak, he, he definitely sounds like whatever the organization needs him to do, he'll do it. And, I mean, yes, you expect to hear those things from people. But one of the themes you kept hearing from players that everyone spoke to was, they all kept saying, we really liked what we kept hearing from Ron Francis it's about the vision of this team, what they want to do, where they want to go. And for us, it made us go, yeah, this is where we want to be. And, you know, I, I think I look at Seattle in the back end. You, you feel like Mark Giordano, as you mentioned, you, you know, like this guy won a Norris Trophy a couple of years ago. He's probably going to be the anchor to this thing. They get Adam Larson. They get Alexiak. Like, as I look at this team, if you had to ask me, Ryan, like looking from from my view – which is kind of the 30,000-foot view versus you, and you're right in there. I like the makeup of this team on the blue line, and I'm thinking that's where they 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 have a, a little bit of a position of strength, and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point in the days ahead they took some of those defensemen and flipped them out, right? Well, I mean, you look at it, and it seems like that's what exactly could be the play, and that was kind of one of the big questions coming into this, and was like what was going to be that position where – Maybe they pick up a few things and then you can flip those in the market. And from the sounds of it and the looks of it, maybe it is defensemen with some of the options they have. Just because, I mean, when you start looking at the names right there, it starts piling up really quickly about, okay, well, who is going to be on the outside looking in? And so when you have those kind of options, maybe those are players that you can use in, in other deals to sort of facilitate the movement you want and need to not only fill out what's you know, the rest of, about the rest of the roster, but also when you look at what could happen with that top six. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's an excellent place to go right now. The top six, because there were some pretty big names available. Vlad Tarasenko, James Van Riemsdyk, Jake Voracek, Genny Dadnov. Like these, these are guys, Ryan, who are perennial 20 goal, 30 goal guys, consistent uh, producers in the, in, in the game. And yet they, they, they passed on all of them. And, and as I look at this team up front, Ryan, I see, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm, I'm always willing to be wrong on things, I look at this top six and I say, I see Yanni Gord, he's a top six guy. I see Jordan Eberle, he's a top six guy. But beyond that, I don't really see too much. You know, and that's the interesting part is you kind of look at who are some of those middle six players who could be top six guys elsewhere. And let's start with a couple names, one of them being could Mason Appleton be one maybe it's it's hard to say at this point because we don't know what the roster is you know someone like Jonas Donskoy in Colorado had that experience I mean there are times where he was playing on the top line with Nathan McKinnon when there were injuries there so it's a possibility um so it, it, it's interesting Kelly Yarncrook is a is another name of someone who maybe he's a is a top six forward with his team or maybe he's a a middle six. Again, that's where the, the makeup is interesting here. But when it comes to some of those names you mentioned, again, it just goes back to 
cap space. And it goes back to looking at all their options because you think about someone like Van Riemsdyk and the fact that points per game wise, it was the best season of his career. If it had been an 82 game season, then he'd set a new career high in that department. So that being said, you have to ask yourself if you're the Kraken, is that a cap hit you're willing to pay for? And that's just it is if you're them and you go into free agency and this is where it gets interesting you have the real opportunity to sort of set the terms here because the presumption is there's going to be few teams that are going to be able to challenge what you can do with money. There was an agent that I spoke to for a story we had at The Athletic about what does this team look like in free agency? What could they do? And one agent called them a unicorn because it's like no one can do what they do. And so maybe if you're the Kraken, you realize that. And then when it, times, when it comes time to go into the market, you know that if it's someone you really and truly want, you can throw the sort of dollars at them that other people may not, but at the same time, you're only going to want to do that if you're 100% certain, and also you believe it's the best use of resources. Two questions to wrap up this uh, this this podcast with you, Ryan. Number one, we have um, you know a preliminary roster here. We know that some guys might move around. There's some additions that could be made. What's your confidence level with this group right now that they could potentially threaten? for a playoff spot in that Pacific division uh, coming up this season? It's really hard to say because you get the feeling that this roster isn't complete. And, and, and that's where, again, just you look at what they are. And so when it comes to predictions, it's just so hard to say. Because I think if this is 48 hours ago, when all these hypotheticals are out there, yeah, absolutely. You add a few names, you fill in certain pieces. Sure, why not? But when you look at where this team is now, it appears like this is the unfinished product. And so because of that, it's just really, really difficult to say what this team would be, where would they go, and what their playoff chances might be. And the final question for you, uh, they kind of slid this news in there. Final tonight. question, man. We got time. I'm just driving across Lake Washington. Oh, We're good. You got time. I, I Maybe I don't have any more questions. But listen, we don't want to keep it, we don't want to keep it too long. But I, I do have one other question, which is they kind of slid this in, Ryan, uh, tonight. And that is, uh, look, the entire NHL schedule is going to be unveiled for the 2021-22 regular season on SportsCenter on ESPN Six o'clock Eastern time on Thursday, but they did let it slide. Seattle Kraken's home opener uh, will take place October 23rd against, drumroll please, the Vancouver Canucks. And I want to know from your perspective, is that going to be the rivalry? Is there, I mean, or is is it going to be Vegas? Is it going to be one of the California teams? Or is this such a natural kind of I-5 rivalry that this is the, this was the natural team to pick on opening night? You know, it's, possible because I mean, there's quite a few reasons to look at. Like you said, one, there is the fact that it's the geography they're close by. Two, it allows people who live in this city the opportunity to go up and see them without having to really make a long trip. But in terms of it being like a rivalry, you know, it's hard to say because everyone could go into a situation where you say this is going to be their rival, but then something else different happens. I mean, like we saw it in the mid-90s with the Colorado Avalanche. Like, Denver and Detroit are nowhere near each other geographically, and yet it was one of the most bitter rivalries we've seen in the NHL, and, and, it, and it stayed that way for a long time. In fact, whenever the Avs play the Red Wings, like, there's still some of that among fans. I mean, it's not what it used to be, of course, but some of that still exists. And so when you look at who the rivalry, where the rivalry could be, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, maybe there could be, but then again, I mean, people thought the same thing when 
the Grizzlies came to Vancouver and the Sonics were still here and that this was going to be a rivalry. And it never really quite materialized that way. So, again, it's just going to be really interesting to see how it all works. Well, listen, Ryan, uh, we, we truly do appreciate you uh, taking some time, and, and and this has been, I'm sure, a bananas day for you. And I'm thinking right now as we wrap up the uh, the S in Ryan S. Clark, it, it better stand for sleep tonight because, uh, my friend, you deserve a good night rest after uh, this day that you put in tonight. That's very, very kind of you to say. But, no, I mean, I think right now is honestly when the work really begins just because, I mean, now you have a roster. Not saying that work doesn't start before, but now it's like, okay, this is, this is real. And that's one of the things Ron Francis – Dad, when they were done with uh, me, I, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit. And the last thing he said to me is he walked away was, yeah, now it's real. So there you go. Well, yeah, listen, it feels real. And, and we do appreciate just you taking a few minutes to walk our listeners through uh, kind of some of the thought processes that went behind some of the selections and, and what we might expect out of the Kraken in the days ahead. Thanks for this, Ryan. And we're looking forward to all your coverage here in the weeks and months ahead. Hey, you got it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining our breaking news coverage of the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. Go to the Athletics headline section for much more on this story. And to hear more, ask your Google Assistant to play news from The Athletic. You can also visit theathletic.com slash headline pod to join for just $3.99 a month. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.